yeah, it's it should. Okay, got it. Yes. <laughs> okay, so excuse me, I record an intro separately anyhow. Okay. So so I like to just I'll dive in, but I will kind of introduce. I'm here today with Rachel. How do I pronounce your last name? Nemeth or Nemeth? Nemeth. Okay, cool. I'm glad I asked. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so. All right, here we go. I am here today with Rachel Nemeth of Opus. And to be honest, like I didn't know anything about Opus before we were connected through a mutual friend whom you help his company uh, by way of doing what you do with Opus. So I'm just going to let you introduce yourself and tell us about what Opus does before we dive into how you became this entrepreneur, super entrepreneur that you are. So take yeah. it away, Rachel. Well, thanks for having me, Lindsay. I'm super excited to be here. I love these conversations because they're the real conversations about the good and the hard stuff of being an entrepreneur, which um, is a different story for everyone. So um, yeah, just to tell you a little bit about Opus, uh, what we are is a platform that helps businesses upskill their frontline workforce. Um, and we do that with uh, software that trains your team over mobile phones in 101 languages. But the real secret to why it's so successful is we are not on a mission to digitize your training <laughs> because the people that we're serving are the 110 million Americans who don't sit at a desk all day. Right. So what we want to be doing is building a world where employers can train their teams through that kind of shoulder to shoulder training, which is the good stuff, while also being able to um, enhance that experience with um, mobile training that's accessible for everyone. So you can increase knowledge retention and all of these other amazing business outcomes, which we'll get into momentarily. Awesome. You make it sound so simple. And I know, I know it's not um, <laughs> And a, li a little bit of backstory, but the friend who introduced and connected us uh, runs all of the operations logistics for a company called Garden Catering, local to Connecticut, New York. They are a fast, casual food establishment. They have eight locations across Connecticut and New York. They are known for their chicken nuggets, which are the best in the world, in my humble opinion. <laughs> And, and yet they have a very transient workforce because of the nature of the work, as most restaurants or fast casual or fast food restaurants do. And so training and maintaining knowledge amongst their employees is has always been a massive challenge, both for them and, and every other, I'm sure, company that you are helping to streamline. So so how did they find you or how do you find clients and mm. and how do you get started? Like and. I'm sorry, let me just go back to, you said frontline workers. So for our listeners, if we could just explain what a frontline worker is and then answer yeah. that. So a frontline worker is anyone in the workforce who is standing on their feet all day. So it's cooks, pickers, packers, drivers. Uh, from a business standpoint, it's uh, restaurants, retail, casinos, sports entertainment, mm -hmm. um, hospitals, construction, it's 70% of Americans. Wow. And wow. So that is a massive it's number. Important when we talk about frontline, a lot of people will think nurses who are the amazing individuals who got that kind of notoriety as the essential workforce during COVID. 
Um, but it really extends well beyond that um, as the, you know, the, this is these are the people who keep our economy humming in the United States and across the world. And has there been an increase in percentage of people at these types of jobs since COVID? I feel like because desk jobs became uh, null and void for quite a long period of time, people did shift gears. I, sh- I myself shifted gears. So has there been an increase um, substantially? So as far as the state of that workforce goes, uh, what happened over the last few years is you had a significant portion of that workforce not return, but they didn't return for two reasons. The first is some of them got desk jobs, but most of them retired. Yeah, uh, They left the workforce. They were at the age where they could. And so there was a big gap and a big hole. I'm I'm simplifying this magnificently, yeah. but um, and then at the same time, Gen Alpha and younger people were entering the workforce. So if you think about the massive problem that employers have been faced with, they have an entirely underskilled workforce that's entering um, their businesses while at the same time seeing a mass exodus. So you have green managers, you have green associates, you have a lot of people who need to be trained on the ex- at an expert level um, in and outside of the workplace. Right, which is a, such a time suck for management. Yeah. I know because I've done it, I've been in the management role where you have to train your employees and the time and energy that it takes that takes away from the work that they need to do. Um, so... So I, sorry, I had asked before about how you get connected with your clients and or they find you. So yeah. what is what is the number one way? So, so uh, there's no actually one number one way, but there's basically like two key areas that we think about in the business. Um, and I know there's lots of people listening who are running their own businesses. So mm-hmm. in a world where everyone's getting spam emails and they're getting... Uh, cold calls from who knows what um, and text messages from I don't know, it's really important that you have to stand out if you are reaching out to um, potential customers. So for us, it's really important that we're telling our story as uh, around our approach and how we're an industry leader. So a lot of our customers come through content that we've built. You know, you're doing a podcast. Um, so so it's partially that it's it's writing thought pieces um it's having a strong linkedin presence the second way um is through uh referrals so zeno connected us as you know from from garden catering we've built a really strong referral network of people who are obsessed with our product and because of that we ha- we've seen a lot of organic growth um that we're really proud of the best kind of growth and, and congratulations yeah. on that growth. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I didn't even start by asking about how you, the entrepreneur and the brains behind the operation started this company because you are the one that that planted this seed and, and helped water it to grow. And now I know you have a big team, but can you take us back to when you started and why you started? Yeah, it's, uh, well, that's a story for beers one day because it's a okay. very long one <laughs> but uh, I'll tell you the the abbreviated version so um uh the beginnings of opus actually are in another company my first company ESL works um okay. what we did is we taught english language training and we we sent english language training to employee cell phones 
the whole reason why I created that company is because I worked in restaurants myself for 13 years. And I spent 13 years trying to get out of restaurants. <laughs> it was hard. It's oh, for yeah, obvious yeah. reasons, you know. Yes. Um, I developed, you know, my whole family's been in restaurants. My grandpa owned a barbecue chain called Don's Worlds of Beef um, in Kansas City. So I have been tied into this industry my entire life mm. and uh, love to hate it like so many other people. Yes, but it's you also are not the alone. industry that, you know, paid my college loans and that taught me um, how to be a manager. So I owe a lot to these kinds of jobs, but they are inherently broken. You're underworked, you're underpaid, you're overworked, you're poorly scheduled. You have people who have second kids and jobs and commutes, and there's literally no technology that's built for them. (laughs) And that made me really mad. (laughs) And when you have uh, reportedly 20 to 30% of the U.S. workforce doesn't speak English as a first language, one of the barriers that I wanted to break was the language barrier. And so I got my um, English as a second language certification and taught English myself for 10 years. And then I figured out how to send it to employee phones with no engineer, which is still beyond me. It was a very hacky system, uh, but with uh, but also, um, you know, with the help of of someone who was just like incredibly um thoughtful and and smart. Um, So that was kind of the MVP. But fast forward to March 12th, 2020. Um, Every single restaurant in America shut down. Every single business around shut down. Um, And I was out of business because my previous, because ESL Works delivered English language training to employee cell phones in restaurants. Wow. But we quickly pivoted when customers reached out to us and said, hey, um, we're still running. People need to eat and we can reach our people and they don't know how to wear a mask. Can we use your platform to train our employees? Within two weeks, we had assembled with the help of amazing investors, Uh, a team of engineers, product leaders who helped me pivot um, and scale the platform to be able to deliver COVID safety training for free to any business in America that needed to train their team in COVID safety uh, regulations. That's incredible. Um, Yeah. That that is by far the the seismic pivot I've heard on this podcast. And most entrepreneurs that I've interviewed have started their business in a pivot of necessity. Like this is yeah. what happened and this is where I had to go with it. But, but that one's a seismic shift. Well, there was no strategy. I mean, I'm just telling you, honestly, there was yeah. no strategy. except What can we do to help our customers? Yeah. And, and by extension, what can we do to help all Americans? And it wasn't, I, Frankly, Lindsay, like at my brain at the time, I was so fried. We all were. We yeah. we thought the world was ending. Yeah. But I didn't have time to second guess. I was no. like, you know what? I don't have a lot of runway at this point because I stopped invoicing all of these customers. So I don't have any income. 
So I might as well go down in flames trying to do something good. <laughs> yeah. So it was really just like trying to to impart my own values into software and try to do something right by this like terrible um, event that was happening globally. So there was a silver lining in that people were really genuinely helping people. Incredibly. As we should, but what we don't necessarily, but people were genuinely just out there to help other people stay afloat because everyone was breaking down. It was magnificent. And and also, I think what's really important to note is as a part of that effort, it was a, like a two-month effort. We grew from zero to 20,000 users in two weeks. It was incredible. But we, I also had the privilege of meeting my co-founders at that time because these were also two value-aligned humans who were just trying to do good in the world. Yeah. So I got really lucky to meet Jeff and Vince um, and be able to very quickly assess that they were just incredible right. humans. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that did, was. Did the they but... come from a tech background? Like, what yeah. was your? Okay. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Um, I we needed to to piece together the puzzle. Um, Jeff has a very strong technical background. Um, he's an incredible engineer and architect. Uh, and Vince is our head of design. So he was, awesome. uh, he's head of product vision and all of those, you know, amazing, beautiful things you see on the website. <laughs> it really is. It's a gorgeous website. And I hope that our listeners read the show notes after they're done listening and check it out. Because if you know of anyone that runs a restaurant, uh, they should know about Opus if they don't already, which they probably do. To be honest, I feel like you have a roster of clients now that's a mile long. Yeah. At least yeah. a mile and and we even though we serve all types of industries we are really committed to the restaurant industry because there's such a, a deep deep issue and and I'll also note it's not only turnover right like there are other business issues that these restaurants need to deal with around scale around um, efficiency what's most interesting is like we see turnover has been the number one issue in multiple industries for the last decade. Right. Um, I was dealing with it when I was in restaurants, but now businesses are responding with technology. They're right. not responding with just like hiring more people or, or you know, accepting like the, the hire and, and churn problem. They're saying, listen, like robots is completely <laughs> absurd of an idea <laughs> Like we need software to help um, get our people up to productivity curve and then get more out of them. So right. we need them to cross train. We need them to learn to be managers. So this is not stopping anytime soon. So um, right time, right place, I think. I love that. And I, I do want to get into AI um, and oh, how yeah. how you all are using and leveraging it. It's been at the forefront of so many conversations uh, in business, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, everywhere. I mean, AI has kind of had this recent explosion. I feel like I'm reading about it every single day and I'm using it as well. And I'm a marketer. So uh, so I, Opus is an app that the frontline workers use that management also uses. Uh, so you work with management to create the training platform for their frontline workers, correct me if I'm wrong. And then the frontline workers basically have the training manual in their pocket that 
translates into X number of languages in seconds, thanks to AI. Uh, if you could just take us through how Opus works with the training, uh, that would be cool. And then we'll get into how AI is a part of that. Yeah. Well, let's start with what people and business owners don't want. Um, they don't want consultants. They don't want people. And I, I don't say that because a lot of my friends and our partners are consultants, but I mean, <laughs> it comes to training, it's a hair on fire problem. Right. So they're not using us to, as a service, they're using us as a means to develop content 20 times faster than they can do with a manual or uh, a legacy system. So uh, what the software does is it serves as a means to deliver, to, to build and deliver interactive training to your team directly to their smartphone. We built a mobile app, iOS, Android, all that fun stuff. So it's native, which means we have a lot of control um, over that experience right. and um, can get you really important insights on how your team is learning according to that um, training but you were talking about AI. So what I tell people all the time, I'm like, we're all reading in the headlines, all of the dirty stuff about AI, about how it's like asking you to marry it and all of that. <laughs> but, and that's fine, but I'm incredibly optimistic about AI. I think it is the perfect tool for what we're trying to do, which is help businesses respond to the needs of a changing market right. faster than they've ever needed to. So when you have a changing regulation or you have a customer walk in um, and there's a, an issue with a service dog or you have a menu item change or you have a health violation, you need to be able to respond to that quickly. Not everything is just about a green checkbox that says, well, Lindsay learned this thing, so she's good. Right. It's just not the way people <laughs> So in Opus, people can build using our AI tool in a really collaborative way with their colleagues. So a great example is imagine that you own um, a burger chain with a hundred locations and you have a special burger of the month. Well, that shouldn't just be like the VP of operations or the training manager who's developing that in Opus. That person should be able to collaborate with the head chef and be right. able to ask yeah. them so the AI allows you to take all of those inputs, uh, upload the menu, it sends back um, a module in a matter of seconds and you can collaborate with the rest of your team to be able to deliver that to your whole workforce in 20 minutes. That's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. And I can't imagine what that must be like for the frontline. Yeah. Well, and management, obviously. But... Training that speaks to them, right? right. Like this is a multi-generational workforce that hasn't been heard at all by the technology industry since the dawn of technology. Like yeah, the, all I, of the LMS that are built are have been designed for people at Goldman Sachs and not at people at Golden Corral. And that's a massive accessibility issue. So we have to be finding ways to build technology that's designed for this specific population of people who have largely been ignored, frankly, by like investors, right? Because those are the right. people that yeah. fund companies. So, well, and, and also so, in these industries, you come in, you get trained, and then it's good to work. And we need you to do the work all day. But what you're saying and providing 
is a way for people to continually learn, continually feel yeah. a part of a bigger picture, which at the end of the day, everyone wants to feel part of something when they're working yeah. somewhere, when they're giving their all of their good time and energy to a place like, yes, a paycheck. Great. But I want to feel like I'm a part of something, something bigger well, than me. Yeah. And, and you said it perfectly because I think there's been this word. It's like, let's train our people and, and, um, career path for you. That's wonderful. Except the CEOs that I talked to are saying, yeah, that's great. Except not everybody wants to be a manager one no. day. But everyone wants to feel like an expert in their job and be able to take those skills with them to their next job. So and have a voice in, you know, yeah. no, the CEO doesn't know what it's like to be on the front line. And if there's something that could be better, he or she will never know it unless they hear it from the person that's actually doing the work. So what I'm hearing is a lot of communication connection yes. between the two places and people. Um, I have in my notes here also that you work with people when they're scaling. So yeah. not a mom and pop shop, not a, not a business that's necessarily like good with where they are, but a business that like garden catering, we'll use them as an example, yeah. is growing at, at a rapid rate and continually hiring, um, losing people also who are moving on to, you know, having families or whatever the case. So talk to me a little bit about the types of businesses that you take on. Yeah. So one of the hardest decisions when you're running any company is, especially when you have this big open field like we do, right? So we have 110 million American workers that we can impact and hundreds of thousands of businesses that we can serve, but you got to pick a lane, right? Like right. you need focus <laughs> at the start. And so you were talking about scale. Like we learned very early on that as much as we want to help those mom and pops, and could help those mom and pops, the best way for us to make the biggest impact on the world is to serve the businesses that are scaling rapidly. So mm -hmm. a lot of our focus is helping them solve that problem of, okay, you know, a perfect example, we have a customer that's going to be um, growing from 160 to 400 locations in two years. Wow. So that's how lot. do you make sure that as you're growing, you're not losing brand consistency mm -hmm that everyone that order accuracy is on point. Um, so it's been a really important place for us to help businesses that are thinking about scale and know that they're people-driven businesses. So they have to invest in them. So do they provide all of the information that they would use for training and then your team turns it into to actionable training materials or how does that work? Our team doesn't, um, they do. We actually okay. don't tell any content. I tell it to people a lot because the old model has been that you have a legacy learning management system mm -hmm. and um, they sort of like give you this service where they convert all of that for you. But everyone kind of hates that because it takes <laughs> a really long time and the content doesn't really look good. Um, so, um, that business in particular, for example, they can use our AI content builder. They can put their existing content, by the way, everyone has it, right? They have an right. employee manual or handbook. They have standard operating procedures. They can put that input into Opus. They can import it and it will turn back a module that's, you know, 80 to 85% of the way there. 
Um, as Jeff, my co-founder will say, like AI is not a self-driving car. So you need to go in and, and give it your feedback. Um, yeah, I so, use AI when I'm, when I'm just stuck with my own yeah. copywriting and I'll, I'll go in and it will, it will spit out just nuggets of gold, but not, I can't use it word for word. It's not my voice. It's not my, it's, it's not my emotions. You know, I have to rewrite, but it does help me get through the process of thinking of what I want to say. Yeah, exactly. And that's the magic of what we've built is on top of those inputs, a training manager can go in and they can use um, AI assist to give, to generate those ideas. Right. They're like, okay, well, you know, this menu training is great, but I want to create more questions. I don't know where to start. So we can act as a tool that's basically an instructional designer that is, you know, a 10th of the cost of what it would actually cost to bring on a consultant and all of that. And the um, time and the energy and all, of, you know, it just piles up. Market. Yeah. Right. How fast can you, you respond to your changing business and your changing workforce? So all of that to say, um, there's usually a few people in the business who kind of own training, but they use the the platform to be able to create those trainings very quickly send them out to their workforce in a hundred languages and then their workforce completes them at astonishingly high rates. So we have um, just through the roof engagement rates and it's a lot of uh, true. And I'm proud of that because we've spent a lot of time building technology that people actually give a hoot about. <laughs> Great word, Rach. Great word. <laughs> I don't know if I can cast on this show, so I'm going to keep I it. I mean, <laughs> I feel like we could, but I actually love, I appreciate hoot. Um, <laughs> it, well, and that, that's at the end of the day, also, you're really just wanting engagement from people. How can yeah. we get you excited? How can we get you incentivized? Like what would work outside of money to, to get you fully engaged in the work that you're doing? And, and again, yeah. being a part of this team. Oh, I love that. Um, and I have here again in my notes, uh, that you, really work with the foundational of training the admins first. Yeah. Right. And then training the managers. There's an app for managers only, correct? Yeah. Right? That's a huge um, piece of what we're building is the field managers at all these businesses have been ignored as well. Mm -hmm. They need tools that aren't the same as what the buyer or the admin in the corporate office needs. Right. So because they're on their feet all day too. They're like yeah. helping customers <laughs> and training team members. So uh, what we heard, we work with a, a company called Just Salad. It's a, it's a quick mm -hmm. service chain yep, familiar with it, yeah. New York. Um, I think they have, they have a lot of locations. I don't know. I'm going to say the number wrong, but before <laughs> Opus 50 uh, managers were spending 50% of their time in the office now that they use Opus, managers are only spending 10% of their time in the office. Wow. More time out on the floor, driving revenue, being with employees, being with customers. That's what we That's want. magic. And that's what right. we not want to be shoved in a linen closet slash office no. all day. I didn't. I, I never <laughs> did. I never, ever did. And I've worked with scaling businesses I, most of my career, just startups that yeah. were growing at, a, at an incredible rate. And we kept, had to keep hiring. And yet the time and energy it took to train, uh, whether it was in the restaurant business or in the beverage space where I was for a while was taxing. 
And at the yeah. end of the day, it was hard for us to do our jobs because we were training people to do their jobs. Uh, so I, I just am enamored by what you've created here, truly. Um, and I love how you have such an optimistic view of AI. I think that I think that people are so negative on it, but it really is a powerful tool when you're using it for good. Yeah. Um, so what what's next for Opus? I mean, what are you looking forward to? I'm really looking forward to um it's funny, I'm gonna say the opposite of what you would expect a CEO to say. So I think most <laughs> CEOs would say, you know, what's next is the moon and all that. You know, like yeah. we have a very clear big vision to impact all 110 million Americans who don't sit at a desk all day. And that has never changed. And our mission to build the most accessible platform for frontline employees on the planet is still something we push toward every day. But honestly, what I'm most excited about is the next year. There's a lot of cool stuff we're building and we have incredible customers. We have the most talented team I've ever had the privilege of working beside. Mm. And so I'm just excited about like all of the really cool stuff that we're building that's going to help businesses who are who are out of the like COVID days. They're ready to grow. They're ready to Very start. Ready. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm seeing that the same optimism that I hold for AI, we're seeing the same thing with other businesses right now. They're building roadmaps around how they can leverage technology to support their workforce. And we want to be there beside them. I love that. And and also just to have that vision for big picture is, is always important, but taking it back to where you are today and what you're doing right now um, is really the only thing we have control over. <laughs> Can't really, can't really work yeah. in the future. Uh, would I be pretty cool the, if we could, but yeah, the, the North Star is really important. But once you have that figured out, um, and you've kind of obsessed over it, I think from there it's just you've got to move from the month to month to the quarter to quarter to the year to year plan. And for so many years, I was in this kind of month to month, like okay, what's mm. the next thing? And I think we have the distinct, um, you know, position right now of being able to look further ahead. So, and then, you know, I, I might, I might edit this and swap out your answer to the question I'm about to ask with the question that I just asked you, because <laughs> I, in my brain, I just flip flop them, but what has been your biggest challenge? I ask most entrepreneurs mm -hmm. this because we all have really big, heavy challenges that we're presented with as we're building, but what has been yours personally in, in starting and building this company? I think my biggest personal challenge, uh, and I say this honestly and, and openly, has been um, really taking care of my mental health. Mm. Um, I've never, uh, for me personally, it's like less physical and it's, you know, I can, I can go the whole, I can go 24 hours and I'm good physically, but um it's really important to take a step back and to process life and to process what's going around you and to listen to yourself. And when you have a company that you love, it's very easy to, to forget that, um, to forget that. Yeah. It does, well, <laughs> so, when it doesn't feel like work, which is the ultimate goal, at least for me to do work, yeah. that doesn't feel like I'm in a flow state. That's my ultimate goal. But, um, but do you have tools that help ground you? For me, it's meditation uh, that I really just learned in the past six, eight months 
that now I can't live without. And I've said this in podcasts that I've recorded before, but um, I all, I always also ask what grounds you. So what is something that you use to bring you back to ground zero for yourself? Um, sleep. I wasn't sleeping for years and I finally started to prioritize it and I'm not the best sleeper on the planet. I'm never going to win an award for my quality of sleep, (laughs) (laughs) but at least I prioritize it now. Right. Yes. Acknowledging it. Yeah. Yeah. And saying like, I am the, I am the type of person who needs X amount of sleep and who needs these conditions in order to sleep well and owning that has been a really important step for me. So things as, and I'll even go deeper, like things as simple as drinking water all throughout the day. So I don't like slam down water at 10 o'clock at night and yeah. then have to get up and use the bathroom four times or right. disturbing sleep. Um, yeah. Getting a sleep mask because I'm like really sensitive to light, just like little things that actually add up to ensuring that you get a few winks and you are more mentally balanced the next day because of it. Right. I mean, it's nature's way of restoring us. And (laughs) yeah, I mean, like even being on a screen, I I started plugging in across the room. Yeah, exactly. I I would stay on my screen for a long time if I didn't discipline myself to plug it in because I love being entertained, (laughs) Yeah, but I, I love sleep much more. So I love it. That's what you use. And, um, Gosh, I've just, it's just, I could talk to you all day because I find everything that you do so fascinating. Uh, and you're really helping countless numbers of Americans with that 110 million star shot. I mean, you're, you're on your way, but I love that that's um, not only a goal, but uh, something that is totally possible and attainable, mm-hmm. you know, um, is there anything I feel like we've missed that you want to talk about before we get off again, I can edit and I do edit. <laughs> I was uh, editing no, this morning. Great. Yeah. And thank you so much for, for diving in on the story and the business. I think it's great. Yeah. I, I've, can't, I can't wait for my listeners to hear it and, uh, and hopefully tell their friends who own restaurants and, or not just restaurants. I know you talked about it in the beginning, but yeah. you work with countless different types of businesses. Yeah. 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 Um, we do. So, um, uh, but yeah, we're, we're like doing a big push for restaurants right now. So, right. And how can, <laughs> how can they find you online? What's the web address again? Uh, it's www.opus.so. Okay, cool. And I'll put everything in the show notes. Um, okay. Rachel, it was such a pleasure and I hope that we get Bye. to meet in real life and have those beers someday soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. <laughs> have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye. Oh, wait, Rach, let's take a screenshot yeah. real quick. Ready? Okay. Hold yeah. on. Okay. Awesome. Yes. Thank you. Thanks. Have a good day. Talk to you soon. Bye.